Welcome to the official podcast of posterspy.com. I'm Jack Woodhams, founder of the website and your host. This episode's guest is illustrator Mark Bell, who over the past year has managed to make a name for himself in the poster scene, producing a number of brilliant licensed prints with galleries such as Vice Press and More Art, as well as working on private commissions with collectors. Mark is now working as a full-time illustrator, and in this episode he shares tips and advice about freelancing, convention appearances, the importance of persistence, and so much more. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit our Patreon, where you'll unlock extended versions of all of our episodes and a whole lot more. Simply head to patreon.com slash posterspy. Hey Mark, thanks so much for joining me on the Posterspy podcast. Thanks a lot, Jack. Thanks for having me. So when I first met you, you were working for Zavi, which for anyone who doesn't know what Zavi is, is basically like an online pop culture store. And essentially at the time, you were commissioning artists and releasing prints through Zavi. But you've actually been illustrating for a long time, which is something I didn't even know. Like for me, it's almost like your career has just appeared out of nowhere (laughs) for me. You know, I've seen all these great prints come out and I know you have been working for a long time. But like I said, back then, I just thought Mark was the guy that that worked at Zavi. So how did you manage to sort of juggle these two things? And when you were, I'm assuming you were illustrating while you were working there and you were doing projects for them. So how did that work? Well, it's kind of, it's, it's a weird one. Um, so I started freelance uh, before I worked for those guys. Um, and then when I did go to work for Zavi, it was purely on a design basis. So that's kind of where I got into it. Um, I was doing the design work for um, a lot of the kind of licensed t-shirts and things like that. Um, then I think uh, one of my friends who was working there was starting to do things with posters. Um, and I got interested through through that. Um, and yeah, I think at some point I kind of t- I t- just took over the role. And I think I was doing that role for about less than a year, probably about 10 months in total. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was it was kind of nuts. But um, coming from the design perspective, like from the background of being a designer and um, and before that being a freelancer, I was doing mostly like um, band T-shirts and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, got, I kind of got the opportunity to do a few through Zavi. And then when I took over that, um, I kind of didn't do any. So while I was actually doing the the Zavi stuff, itself, the Zavi gallery stuff itself, I wasn't actually doing any of my imprints in there. Um, so I was, yeah, like you said, getting some artists to do bits and bobs. That ended kind of abruptly, uh, <laughs> which I won't go into too much detail. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Zavi gallery exists as a thing anymore, particularly. Uh, I think they do odd prints here and there, but yeah. Which in a way is a shame because when you're working with them, you're actually putting together some really cool artist and licensed partnerships. But now you've left, it's actually made sure your career has progressed, which in a way actually works out well for for you. So yeah, it's almost <laughs> you can't like, really look it, on that. It, like it does seem mistake. like I've kind of um, I kind of helped myself a little bit there. But no, it was, it was a bit of a weird one. Like the 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 brand Zavi Gallery existed before me um, uh, for a couple of years, um, and just yeah, I think I kind of saw the issues that they had um and tried my best to kind of solve a lot of them um yeah it just kind of yeah didn't didn't really pan pan out the way (laughs) that it needed to in the end unfortunately but it's such a shame because um that company generally has such a large uh, amount of licenses you know they have I, i would say probably more than uh mondo bottleneck vice press put together they have like an amazing like whole big list of licenses that it could use. So I think the potential's there, but I don't think it was ever seen as a um so what could we do with this that's that's arty? It was kind of seen as okay, let's 
see how many t-shirt prints you could do, see how many of this, that, and the other. There was there was no real, um, what could we do that's creative with that? And every time, the, the, the time that I was there, I was, that's what I was pushing for. But that was a lot of the issue, was a lot of pushback from, okay, well, if we're only going to be producing 200 copies of that, why are we doing it? It was a lot of that kind of like trying to, trying to show them that we could do something really cool with it and yeah that that was kind of where that it came head to head at the end really and you mentioned that when you were working with them you weren't really doing anything for yourself so obviously like i said having left zavi was obviously a good move for you in your own personal career but while you were with them did you find the stuff you were working on sort of helped you to understand the pop culture scene and the customers something that i think a lot of artists may not be so privy to like you were able to understand what people were buying and the interests and would you say that's helped guide your own work mm, a little bit um to be honest with you when i i kind of just had this thing where if i would buy it that's what i would go for so i didn't really look at um the end result and and really that, that like the job itself was a lot of kind of um uh data kind of work and stuff which i'm not good at at all like i'm terrible with all the marketing side i'm terrible with all that so once i'd kind of like done the banners and stuff i was like cool that's that done i didn't really <laughs> like i didn't really take anything back from like oh how that that's done really well why has that done really well i just like okay on to the next you know it was very like i was an artist trying my best to to do all this behind the scenes stuff what I did learn was an awful lot about the licensing process, an awful lot about um, the way it kind of like the percentages and all that kind of thing, and which is really interesting, um, and how like likeness rights work and like um, yeah, all those kind of technical stuff that that's opened that up for me like in a big way. So I kind of know behind the scenes, um, even even stuff like dealing with screen prints and like that's how I kind of got started into that as well, like understanding how that works so we could kind of get them printed in a way and yeah that that's kind of what I, where that came from I think where, where it grew from. Well screen prints is actually something I wanted to talk to you about because I'm actually someone even though I run posters by I don't I honestly have such a, the vaguest idea of how a screen print works I understand that there's separations and you know different layers and colors you need to work towards <laughs> to actually get them printed but that's like the most basic thing ever. Oh, like mate, everybody knows you, that. Have you got 30 minutes? I'm going to, I can just, yeah, chat honestly, this no, honestly, I, I would love to know more about how it all works, especially for artists who, you know, illustrators who might want to get into screen prints or even doing stuff on their own. Because I do think when they're working for galleries and the idea of a screen print comes up, it sounds really exciting, but I think it might be quite scary for a lot of people that have never done it before. So, yeah, you know, feel free to talk about it. I'd love to know more about how that Oh, works. no worries. Yeah. I mean, um, in its very basic form, um, screen printing is a, I mean, you can kind of kind of compare it to uh, almost like spray painting to, on, on a stencil. That's a kind of like the idea, right? So you have you either have a color or you don't have a color. So you can't do like gradients and stuff like that. Um, and essentially screen printing is just layering down the inks um, from usually from light to dark, unless there's some kind of weird thing going on. Um, and it's one color at a time. Usually there's a color limit, I would say. Um, it tends to get expensive once you start getting over the kind of six, seven, eight color kind of side. And even more than that, it just gets really expensive because essentially what they're doing is they're printing this one color on a piece of paper, letting it dry and then doing another color. And if they're doing that 200 times, you know, then they're letting them all dry and then kind of starting the next color. Um, and each color needs to be kind of burnt on in the same way that a, a, a photograph is exposed. It's exposed on a screen, which lets the ink through. And then they kind of put ink on it, squeegee it through. And it's kind of a real 
hand process. Um, it's quite quite technical. Um, and then with obviously with that, you get the problems like uh, the trapping of the ink. So, you know, if you have two colors that sit next to each other, you want to make sure the dark one overlaps very slightly just so that there's no gaps if in case it's not set quite correctly and stuff. It's it's quite a complex thing. And I'm by no means an expert in this at all. But yeah, my like limited understanding of it kind of got me um, to, to like, the knowledge I have now. Um, and I kind of starting to understand stuff about like opacity ink. So you can kind of like have a, an opaque black. So, you know, like say a 40% black and you put it over the top of red and a yellow and then you get a darker red and a darker yellow. So that's using just one screen, but you kind of, you can, you know, make darker colors with that or lighter colors or even throw in like a green on top of that. And you can start like layering up the colors like you would mix, you know, so put a blue over the top of a red, you're going to get a purple. That's kind of a... Where, where it kind of goes it's interesting and has that sort of workflow affected the way you illustrate or have you found a way to sort of get around the screen print technicalities i'm still really terrible with it in terms of like i will just <laughs> like i know the end process is difficult like separating it all taking your illustrations that are finished you know your photoshop files and like taking them down to like base colors you know um right there needs to be this this and this and normally when i work if I know it's going to be a screen print, I will start with those colors. So I don't tend to deviate very much, but I, you know, I don't, I should be more organized and I tend to do a lot of that hard work at the end where I could just go, right, I'm going to only draw in, you know, dissolve mode so that there's only going to be hard edges. I don't, I tend to draw with like the nice smooth, uh, brushes and then have to like take that out and like bitmap that at the end and bring it back in and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, so you actually do all of your own screen print separations? Uh, yeah, yeah, usually. I mean, unless it's really complicated. I've had a couple of pieces that um, where it's a little bit beyond my scope. So there's a couple of guys out there that, you know, they know that if you put a red underneath a cream, what color pink's going to come through, that kind of stuff. I don't really understand that depth of it. But there's people out there that, that know real close, like if you put this on top of this, you're going to get that color. Because it's all well and good doing it on Photoshop, but when you're actually dealing with paint, it doesn't really work that way. You kind of get a different different look through, or some colors come through a little bit darker or lighter than you'd want, or not. sometimes not at all. You know, if you put in a yellow on top of a red, you'd think that would make orange, but because it's such a lighter color, you get a very, very small amount of yellow, and it doesn't, you know, it's, it's difficult, difficult. I, I, I would say it lends itself very well to my style of work, where I have, you know, your hard outlines, or you've got your black line work. And then all the colors underneath um, that can be separated. So it does lend itself better for, um, yeah, for kind of line work, based artwork, um, I'd say. Or at least very, uh, you know, you're stuck with your six colors. And, uh, yeah. But, I mean, if you if you look at, you know, you had Matt on um, very recently. Uh, if you look at his work and the way he, he works with, like, textures and stuff like that, all of that to be separated, I, I you know, my brain still goes, like, how? <laughs> probably something i should have asked him as well <laughs> yeah definitely yeah matt to be honest with you i'll be I'll, I'll be really honest matt helped me a lot with this as well he when i was first finding out about how to do a lot of this stuff he was kind of saying right you right okay if you're going to be bitmapping make sure you do this make sure you do this you know i kind of i understand it a lot better now definitely uh, uh free matt and uh, other people as well have helped along the way but it's it can be very daunting because you i kind of think of it as like the third bit of work you know you have your rough you have your actual design and then you have your separation um 
it's like a third entire project to do at the end of your actual artwork so yeah so a lot more work than people expect yes yeah <laughs> well i guess that's one of the things isn't it a lot of people see the artwork when it's finished and it's online and even when it's printed but don't really realize all that work that goes on behind behind the scenes yeah for sure and would you say your work then has sort of so you said you mentioned you have this like line art style so would you say that you still consciously draw like that with the screen printing and the medium in mind or is it just really more that's just your style that's how you've worked all this time yeah i think it's more my style i mean it all kind of goes back to when i used to do um band t-shirts and stuff like that you know um a lot of them are just screen printed and a lot of them are like you know poor poor punk artists that were like oh can you just can we just do two colors please because we're super poor so i would then go right okay um you know i'm going to use the black of the t-shirt as the line work i'm going to do this and this so a lot of it is like very basic style you know ba basic colors is the way i build stuff up and then and then obviously it kind of progresses from there but um you kind of i think you will you'll spot that a lot in my work is it's kind of stuff can always work as like a you've got two main colors in the line work that's kind of what the way I look but then it spreads about a little bit obviously within that as well but yeah it kind of that's where it kind of comes from i think um I don't even know if that answered your question and what the question was. My no, no, just got it did, it did, it did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, the question was more just about like your style in the sense yes. of the line work and if it's created that I don't, way. I don't the consciously, mind, yeah, I don't like, consciously like, um, I don't consciously go, oh, all right, I need to do this line work like this. Like I'm working on a piece at the moment and I decided right the background, I'm not going to do line work. I'm going to do, you know, your, your texture and your, your kind of your stippled effect and stuff like that. And it's not going to have any hard lines, um, but the front, the foreground stuff does. So it's kind of, I don't ever make a conscious effort to think about stuff like that. I just kind of go, mm, yeah, I'll probably do that. <laughs> and then it might not look good. So then I'll just do outlines on it. <laughs> Recently, you released some prints with Vice Press, which was the Shaun of the Dead trilogy. And, you know, I mentioned right at the very beginning of this podcast how, for me, it's almost like your screen print career has almost come out of nowhere, um, which I know isn't isn't like accurate. You have been illustrating for a long time. How did that all come about? Because there's a lot of artists who would love to work with galleries and have been illustrating for a very long time and have never really gotten the opportunity. How would you sort of recommend to those artists to get that kind of work and to get themselves in front of those kind of galleries. Even going back to when when I was doing it as well and and looking for artists, I think you'll probably be surprised that a lot of galleries are aware of who's in the scene. Specifically, when it's like um, you have sites like yourself um, that post a lot of stuff all the time. Like I was always aware. Um, I think there's all. I think there's always the case that that they're probably. Um, waiting for you to get to a point that um, they're like oh you know what yeah you've you've got to a point that, that I think this will really work or you know or maybe they're just waiting for the right project or maybe you know it, it's it's always hard to kind of to kind of speak about that kind of stuff to artists because you oh what am I trying to say here let me let me try and say it again <laughs> in a better way I guess it varies for everyone right if you were a gallery owner that there, there's never going to be a set time where you would just suddenly work with someone there will always be, I mean, I'm the same, you know, releasing things, things through Post Spy. It isn't really so much about how long someone's been doing something or how good they are even sometimes. I mean, sometimes there could be an, an absolutely outstanding artist, but they just don't fit the property or whatever it is you want to do. And there's someone else who might just have a little bit more of a, a certain flair you want to go with. 
So I guess, yeah, I guess it is a difficult question to answer because really, I guess the only answer would be to keep putting yourself out there and yeah, keep I, th- contact I think the so. Galleries and stuff. I think I think a lot a lot of galleries uh, have a load of artists that they kind of either work with or they want to work with, and they they have a property and they're like, oh, who could we? You know, they they think like, who could we get to do this? That would be really cool because that you know this person does that, this person does that, um, and I think so. I think a lot of it is also networking. I mean, that sounds, um, I went to see uh, vice press on one of their open days a long time ago. Um, and kind of like had a good old chat with James. Um, and yeah, I think it all came from, came from that. And if I'm being honest with you, I, I, I kind of started pushing myself towards James as well. I was like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And a bunch of times he was like, yeah, you know, it's cool, but I, I don't know if we want to do that right now. Or, you know, there was, a, it's, it's kind of, the hustle of being an artist i guess um but I, eventually you kind of either have an idea that really works or they or they the gallery will see something that they're like oh wait this could actually work really well for this um i think networking is a huge thing especially like and not just kind of like tagging constantly and stuff i mean that that kind of is good as well because of social media and stuff but like speaking to people at conventions at uh, mcm kind of um you know, on the open days and stuff like that. Um, go see, go see in people in person. Kind of don't be like, oh, you know, here's my art, here's my art, mate. But just kind of have a good connection with people, and like, that's when those kind of kind of things come together. I guess. Like, um, I think at the time this was before I worked for uh, for the gallery, so I I went there and I just was like, I want to buy some of Matt's stuff because like Matt is Matt Ferguson, um, and then we kind of. After I started the gallery, I then went back to them and kind of was, uh, we were going for a Transformers thing, which we kind of did a little bit of. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, it was kind of weird because I was very worried working with Zavi um, that, you know, I might get fired because I was going to bring stuff out with Vice Press. So I was very, but like, I had this in the works and I was trying my best to try and keep it like hidden that I was doing it as well. It was really strange. <laughs> But um, yeah, that that kind of that that Cornetto trilogy in particular, that was a real kind of a, a turning point, I think. Definitely, um, I think that I'd brought some bits out with like Gallery nineteen eighty eight. Um, I think I was quite lucky in that Warner Brothers approached me off the back of a Gallery nineteen eighty eight show, and um, I did some official stuff for them. Um, and then, but yeah, I think since the Vice Press stuff, that's kind of where it's kind of blown up. I think you're right with that. I think I didn't really exist much in the poster world before that point. And what you said about like the networking and the persistence, I think that's really important because it is about getting your stuff out there. And the networking thing you mentioned, the reason I find that quite interesting is that that's essentially how our sort of working relationship came about. You yeah, came sure. to a poster spy event yeah. and was just like, hey, I'm Mark, I, I do this stuff for Zavi. At the point, at this point, I'd not I'd not known of you before. So I literally was like, oh, okay, cool, that's cool. And then suddenly, you know, we were working together and I'd seen stuff you'd done and and now you're like freelance illustrator doing these movie posters and your whole career has taken a bit of a different turn. But I, at that point, would have not known about you unless you'd have come to that day and said, you know, and it makes a big difference having that having that face-to-face knowledge of someone and a real sort of idea of what someone is like and their personality and everything, not just the sort of social presence people are used to on social media. Definitely. I mean, I remember coming down for that. You had um you had Dan Mumford, um, and do you have 
Sam Gilby or Dolly. It was one of the two. It was two. Dolly, yeah. The, the, the other one was there as well. They were both, they were both there. The um, other one. <laughs> yeah. The, I always put them two together for some reason in my head. I know they're both post-apostle Like they're guys. twins. Like they're almost <laughs> twins, yeah. But um, yeah, like kind of I, I remember going there and like that was my, feel, arrest, uh, my first real kind of like, um, oh, here's a bunch of artists, you know, you um, and there was a whole bunch of people to talk to there. That was the first time I met James as well, who um, who deals with more art gallery now as well. And um, yeah, it was it was kind of a real eye opener, like a networky thing. And and I think the main th- all the way through Zavi, I tried my best to real separate what I did like as my art thing, and this is the Zavi thing. I didn't want to be known for like um, you know bringing my own stuff out and doing all that kind of stuff, which I really. Um, I didn't want to see it as trying to leg up myself in any way as well. Um, so it was difficult being there. I'm not, I, I wanted, I wanted to be like, Oh, I'm an artist. I'm an artist. But I think I went there with a, Oh, I'm, I'm, I work with Zavi. Like, you know, what could we do kind of thing? Um, mm. and it was, yeah, I think th- the networking thing, like you said, that's how we met. That's how I met, um, Dolly. That's how I met Sam, um, bunch of other people as well. And that's kind of, you kind of, you start, you know, everybody makes their own path and like, you know, some of these people work with uh, big galleries and stuff now, and some of these people own big galleries. So it's like you kind of network your way through this stuff. <laughs> like, you know, like I- I'm not going to pretend that I'm like the most amazing artist in the world ever, but like if you have ideas and and the gallery, um, you know, they, they talk to you and you, you, you know who they are and they know who you are and it's kind of, it, it kind of helps out. And yeah, <laughs> and networking, that's kind of... <laughs> And I guess we're quite fortunate as well, especially, you know, in the UK where there is quite a large number of us who, you know, we can get together for these kind of things. I'm actually really hoping that next year I can do some more uh, shows again. I mean, I did the event last year, which I can't believe that was already a year ago, but the, the Terra 2's exhibit with um, other stuff as well. Yeah, with science um, stuff, yeah. I can't, yeah, I can't believe that was a year ago. But that was really great as well to get people down and, you know, have a chat and, and, and network again. And I just hope that, you know, I, I am hoping there are more gallery shows here in the UK um, because I, I'm not a huge fan of cons, I must say. I do get really, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a, like it's not like a confidence issue or anything like that, but I just get really like stressed <laughs> at the big events, just the amount of people and everything that's going on. It's really like overwhelming for me. Um, even when you try and sort of like tunnel yourself into like just seeing a few people or turning up at a thing. I mean, MCM, like you mentioned, is just massive, isn't it? I feel like it's just selling, selling, selling. And then you have this little corner of artists and that it, it yeah, I, I much prefer places like Thought Bubble or you kind of uh, th- those kind of conventions. But yeah, I, I totally get what you mean. And it's a whole thing as well. It's I, I find doing those things like I'm pretty self-deprecating when it comes to my own artwork when I'm chatting generally. But I find doing those things, you have to be like on, like you have to be just like this version of like, oh, thanks so much. Thanks. So, you know, you have to be like that, yeah. like for two days solid. And it's just so, it's so much. And you, you just get home and you're like, oh, well, I didn't really, you know, it's not like I worked hard. I'm not like, you know, shoveling coal or something like that. I'm just stood there selling my stuff. But yeah, it feels like mentally and like exhausting, I think. Oh, it is for sure. I mean, I remember when I did used to go to them and honestly, after the events, I like, a couple of days i would just be out of it like i wouldn't want to talk to anybody i wouldn't want to do anything i'd just be like in bed <laughs> streaming some kind of show for like three days <laughs> yeah. having to like recover from it and i think a lot of people don't understand how much real pressure there is on artists when they're at events like this 
Uh, I think a lot of people just think, oh, you know, it takes nothing just to come to this kind of show setup and whatever. But there's so much thought that goes into it. And, you know, it would be nice if, like you said, big, big cons like MCM, if they they had more of a, a focus on the, the artist stuff. And I guess there's only so much you can do, um, you know, to try and level it with everything else that's going on. I mean, I can imagine that's pretty difficult. You know, you've got people that go for celebrities and people that go for all the, like you said, the buying and yeah. stuff. Like the so trying to like level so the two. Buying. Yeah, there is so much <laughs> buying. That's that's why MCM for me is like, I try to not go too often. I actually got invited to go this year, uh, which was super nice of the guys asking me, like free tickets and whatever. But I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I could go if people paid me <laughs> to go to MCM, quite honestly. Um, it is a great opportunity to meet people, of course, and you can never really take that for granted. But yeah, for me, it's not, a, it's not one I would go to <laughs> willingly. Let's put it that way. You'll see me next year at MCM now, and they'll be like, "How much did they pay you to, to get here?" <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it, it's one of those things. But yeah, I mean, when I spoke to Matt as well, he's not a big con fan, and I think there there is so much you know artists and also you know gallery owners are doing to get their stuff out there, and the amount of commitment it takes is, is... yeah. And it's all the small stuff as well that you don't even think about. Like you go like, "Okay, I book this," and then you're like. A couple of days before, you're like, well, "Oh, I need a tablecloth, and oh, I need magnets, and how am I going to put things on the wall?" Like, there's this whole thing. Like, there's obviously the more you do it, the more you understand what you need to take. But for for like your first couple, you know, you you're kind of thrown out there, and like all of a sudden you've got a load of stuff to sell, and you're like, "What? How do I do this?" You know, oh, I need a a, a kind of card payment thing in case people want to pay with card, and you, it's just endless you know you have and then, to be a, and then the 4g doesn't work or the 5g doesn't <laughs> yeah. work and, and then you just can't take payments everything <laughs> has to be cash and you've got to walk around with this stupid box of cash oh, yeah <laughs> we've all been there mate no, <laughs> yeah it's one of them things <laughs> would you say that going to you know a thought bubble for you now in your sort of like freelance career because that's something i want to get onto in a minute is sort of like an essential thing you're going to have to sort of keep up now yearly to sort of get in front of customers and meet people is that something you're going to keep consistent? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I want to be more organized with it next year. I want to do the kind of artist alley um, and a few of the other smaller ones as well. I kind of want to see what's out there and not just do Thought Bubble and one NPM or something like that. Um, and like without beating around the bush, like it is really good money. Like when when you do them and if you do them well um, and you have a load of different ranges of prints and stuff and the smaller stuff that sells well, like you come out of it, you know, you've, you've made a, a month's worth of of rent necessarily, you know, you of, of 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 like income. So it's quite good. So you do a couple of them that kind of supplements you a little bit. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's great to meet everybody and to kind of say hey to all the artists and stuff like that. But yeah, it also gets your name out there. Um gets like I do this thing where I have loads of free postcards. I just order like a crap ton of postcards and I just chat to people. People walking past the store, I'm like, just take a free postcard and it's got my stuff on it. And I just get so many tags on all my socials, like, you know, oh, here's a bunch of stuff. Cause some people they just want to see cool artists and they don't want to buy something. Maybe they don't have the wall space, maybe they don't have the money. That's all cool. I just like chatting to people. Um give them a free postcard and they're just like, oh sweet. And um yeah, it's just it's super nice. It's kind of a boost you you rep a little bit, you get load 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 of like likes, a load of um follows um whatever it is you're after on social media you get a lot of that stuff and um yeah it's just good it's kind of boosts your profile a little bit i think um and then on top of that yeah you sell some stuff if you've got stuff to sell so it's cool so would you consider yourself quite outgoing then sounds to me like you were you were putting yourself out there quite a bit more so than probably others right i do do you know what i'm like it's when i'm there i i am like that 
like I said, you have to be on. You have to be a not a market seller. Like, oh, get your apples, come here for apples. But you have to be like, you have to be, you have to champion yourself, right? You have to. Um, whether that's in like when you're chatting to, you know, like we were talking about earlier, when you're ch- chatting to a gallery, you have to be like, I've got this idea. I think it will really work. I think it's really cool. Um, you know, is my art style what you what you want to be looking for? The same with cus- like customer potential customers. You know, if somebody's like, "Oh, I really like your stuff," you'd be like, "Oh, cheers, thanks so much." Like, tell them a little bit about it. Um, here's have a postcard for free, uh, or oh, if you like that, that I've got this and this size. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I, I've worked in H and B and stuff like that, um, and in sales. Like, you have to have that little bit. Um, I think it's just so <laughs> you've got to be on. And then, like, when you come away from that, and we sit and you know 12 hours in front of a drawing that's our little quiet time that's nice so if you get the balance yeah Yeah, no that's really interesting that you say that and and i do i agree completely with what you're saying and i think as someone so when i went to thought bubble in 2018 i didn't have like a stand or anything that was literally just i went to visit people and and to see what it was all about and that was one thing i sort of picked up on because i mentioned didn't i earlier i said there were a lot of artists who you know, weren't really engaging and you just walk straight past those artists. It's really weird. Like as, and so I'm saying this from like a customer perspective. So if anyone listening to this, who may be thinking of going to thought bubble and having an actual setup or any other convention, if you want to be selling stuff and you want to at least, you know, get people's attention, you like Mark saying, you definitely need to be on it because if you do just sit there and you don't look that approachable, you won't get approached. I think that's just like a really simple, unless, unless you are, you know, super high tier artist and people will just approach you anyway, which I think is a very different situation. Of course. When you've got that level, you're allowed to sit back and do nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you're allowed to, and you probably will want to, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) but yeah, if you're, if you're still trying to sort of like get out there a bit more and you, and you're just trying to get some work sold and even like you said, hand some stuff out for free. Um, I definitely think, you know, making sure you give eye contact to people who walk past and look at your stuff because there was one artist who I do remember really vividly. I don't remember her name, but when I walked past her thing, like she was like super engaged with me, which was kind of weird at the time, but then it made me look at her stuff. And I actually sat there and looked at, and actually bought something. And I think that just goes to show that you need to understand that when people come to these things, yes, they may not be looking for your work particularly, but if you sort of make that first connection, even if it's just a look, even if it's just a gesture, smile, anything, you know, it goes a long way and people, people will be interested in that kind of thing. A hundred percent. I think people come back as well. So um, I've had a whole bunch of people because I was there last year at Thubble and a whole bunch of people came back and they were like, oh yeah, I got, I got a postcard from you last year. And like, and then, and obviously off the back of that, they followed me and then they maybe seen what I was going to be selling at Thought Bubble. So I had a whole bunch of people come back and were like, oh, I really want that. I've seen, I've seen you, you were going to sell this online. So can I have that? Can I, you know, or even if it's just to come back for a chat, it's, yeah it's massively important i think um you've got to be your own like your own fan you have to be like you know essentially we're all putting our own stuff out there so we're wanting some sort of recognition or some sort of kind of like here's what i can do like look at my stuff you know maybe not in that in that kind of aggressive way but you know look i can do this check this out that's what we want um and if then you go to a convention you kind of you want that like oh check this out you're kind of doing yourself a bit of a disservice, I think. I think you need to have that to back it up, to be like, oh, you know what? You know, here's what I've done. Check it out. If you like that, I've, I've done this as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds weird. Yeah, and I do sound like a market seller, I'm aware. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sound weird. And I think you're you're 100% right. Again, um, you have to be 
assertive and you said you said not aggressive but i do think there has to be a certain level of not aggression but you do have to yeah it's just that assertiveness isn't it it's just the confidence in your own work like if you turn up anywhere and you just say you know say less for example you get two people who want to code a website and one guy just goes uh eh, i'm all right but you get another guy who's like yeah you know i've been doing this i'm really confident with this and i've i think we should do this and this is something we can do it's very clear who you'd go for yeah 100%, right? 100%. <laughs> you wouldn't go for the guy who yeah. just goes eh. yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm right. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 very important to, especially for artists who might be listening to this and are very keen to get to that level of doing gallery stuff or doing these shows, to actually just be assertive about yourself and believe in yourself. And I know it can be difficult because there's so much out there, and this is something I actually do want to ask you. There's you know there's so much out there to sort of compete with, that it can feel very daunting and almost like there's just millions of obstacles in the way before you can get to where you want to be but obviously it is about slowly building that which is why i wanted to ask you about you know the fact that you've 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 started to build this a career doing screen prints and, and getting this sort of collector base but do you think there's anything that you do outside of what we've already mentioned do you feel like there's anything that you do proactively that sets you apart from other artists Looking, looking sort of at everyone else and, and the world you exist in, do you think you kind of have done anything to set you apart? That's a good question. Probably not. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I think one thing I always try and do is when I'm building a print idea or, or, or a design idea, I always try and think what hasn't been done. Like, Because if you just go Star Wars, print, art, you know, there's so much out there and you've got to really have... If, to be a new artist and to have somebody notice that you've got to have something real like new um so i always try and think right what hasn't been done i look through everything i can do what's you know look at all kind of maybe it's just a, a simple idea that, that i tell you I, I i don't know <laughs> um yeah i always try and just uh, say think outside the box that sounds really cheesy but i always try and think right what as a fan of something what hasn't been done that I would go, oh, that's cool. If, you know, if, if I was going to buy a piece, what would I want it to be? Um, what hasn't been done? <laughs> that's, and I, you, you're right though. There's, there's so much out there and you can always, as an artist, you can see all your friends or people that you chat to or people you admire go up and up and up and up and up and see all these people. And you're like, why am, why am I not getting that? You know, it's real easy to fall into that trap. Um, it's the same with, with any, anything really. Like I was, I was a, a guitarist of a punk band for the last 10 years and you see all your friends bands get all these cool opportunities and like, but I think, you know, I do this as good as well. Like, why can't I? And, and yeah, I, I don't know, the, don't know the answer, but you've kind of just got to go, right. What, what would I want? If I was going to purchase a print, if I wanted to print on my wall, what would I want? That's different that, um, you know, has all these bits and bobs. Yeah. I, I kind of just try and think like that, I think um but do i do anything different i don't think so <laughs> um yeah i think I, I don't know how to answer that <laughs> well I, I think i think honestly when it comes to you and this is someone you know who's known you for a while now i definitely think your approachability is something that makes you easy to work with oh, maybe. Like people probably want to come to you and say you know can you do this you know being friendly having that nice personality about maybe you. that's I think that, it Maybe I'm think, a friendly it, it, guy. Yeah, you're just a friendly guy. You know, that's all it is. <laughs> Forget the artwork, mate. Just it's just a nice, friendly personality. That, I swear to God, that's, that's half the, I swear that's half the battle. Like 
I know we were saying about networking and stuff like that earlier and being approachable. It's half the battle. It really is. If you if people know you, they're like, oh yeah, that that guy's cool. Like, let's see what he has to say. It's not about you know, um, will, are we going to ignore this artist? Are we going to you know, are we going to do this piece with him? Or we, it's more like what what with a lot of galleries and stuff like that, and people and people wanting those type of jobs. It's like cool actually i know this guy like what what has he got to say or what like what has he got to show us like i'll have a look at that and if you then have the the kind of the idea and the the, the art to back it up then that's cool i guess yeah i don't i don't think anything i do is like you know you, you've is is up at the top of the peak of the game kind of thing i think it's you know maybe it's the approachability maybe like you said maybe it's the different ideas that i have i, I, I don't know <laughs> so you're fully freelance now and this is actually like your main job so mm -hmm. illustrating doing movie posters doing yeah. i'm assuming some other stuff we probably don't see as well yeah for is, sure is, for sure yeah, yeah. what you're doing full-time yeah. so what sort of motivated that decision because for a lot of people like the idea of going freelance is quite scary right there's th th you don't know if there's going to be more work coming in yeah. there's so much to consider but what motivated that decision for you um two things really like so number one last year uh, when i did thought bubble last year i think i had three months in a row where i was doing artwork and i got paid for that month more than i did for my work for my actual job and i was like okay well why am I doing my job? <laughs> like, why don't I just put more time into that? Um, I think was I was, if I'm being honest with you, I was quite lucky in that the, um, the last two years I've worked from home. And if I'm being a hundred percent honest with you, um, I did a bunch of my own work at work time. <laughs> like I really did. Like, I don't care. Like I'm already left there now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, I think, maybe uh, a couple of hours every day I was I was doing my own work and it kind of uh yeah the push back to the office I was like okay well I can't keep that up um the fact that I've uh, now got a little baby as well um and I was like I want to be here more I want to spend time I was really enjoying the working from home because that meant I could just kind of um you know spend half an hour you know for lunch just messing around with her or like 10 minutes every 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 couple of hours just to wander through and like have a bit of a cuddle and a play and stuff um and then the thought of going back in the office five days a week just was like what no why i don't want to do that um i, I should say i should say i moved away from the the gallery stuff i got back into the design side of it so i was a senior designer um and we were working with like um I say like influencers doing like clothing ranges for for influencers and that kind of stuff. And it was great. It was great. It was a great job. I quite enjoyed it, but, um, I was just like, I don't want to be in the office. And then that tied with the fact that I'd made a bunch of money over, you know, enough to li live comfortably over the last kind of Christmas. And I thought, well, I could probably do this. Um, and I think it all kind of came to a head in April where I knew I had about four or five pieces that were due to come out with different galleries, um, a bunch of work that I was going to be paid for and I'm like right I think I'm set for like three months here and I'd saved up about six months worth of what I needed to live on as well so I was like well okay well let's just do it <laughs> like like I'm 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 quite um like I've moved around quite a lot in my life like I, I used to live in London and just on a bit of a whim because I didn't really know what else to do with my life uh, I moved up and got a job with THG doing design work because some guy was like, do you, do you want to do this? And I'd never met him before, but I'd done a bit of work for him. And I was like, yeah. 
so I moved like within two weeks, I moved from London um, to like Northwich. <laughs> so like the other side of the country um, and just, yeah, all right, I'll do that. Um, so yeah, I'm quite, yeah, cool. I'll do that. It, you know, leaving work um, doesn't scare me. That, that kind of side of it doesn't really scare me. And I, I think that being self-employed is probably more um, freeing. You're in charge of yourself, you know, as a job at a job you could get laid off any minute you know you could lose your job for any stupid reason you know i've been like a bit of an inside i've been fired twice from various jobs when i was younger like um lifeguarding roles and uh when i used to work at hmv I, I locked in a security manager um on a sunday evening got fired for that <laughs> so you can lose your job real fast so like the losing job thing doesn't doesn't scare me so i was like no i'm just gonna just gonna do it see if i can survive um and it's been been doing pretty good so far, I think. So I mean, it's it's early days. It's only been you know just two thirds of a year. So, um, but I've got plenty lined up. So I'm I'm pretty happy. Well, that is one of the things I would recommend to anyone looking to go freelance. What you said, you said you had that sort of like safety net of of cash that you'd saved, and then you've also got the you know you've got a bit of work as well. So when I went full-time with poster spy i would i actually did the same thing as you so i was at a design job and literally the guy i was working with his name was dave you might be listening to this who knows he just let me do poster spy stuff like i'd do the work obviously at work i'd get that all done but he'd sit there he'd sit there and he just let me do the the poster spy stuff and i'm super thankful for him because if it wasn't for him letting me do that i definitely wouldn't have got to the point where i could actually just do it as like the job um and i guess a lot of people don't have that what we did they don't have that opportunity to to do that stuff kind of stuff which means you do have to put in the hours you know when you get home which i think for a lot of people is quite daunting or difficult um but it is just a case of putting those hours and save enough if, if that's what you're looking to get to do in terms of you know going freelance and then eventually you you should be able to um I, for me it's now i'm at a point where i am always looking for like the next job and you do have to kind of do that actively all the time i think to to make sure there's something coming in um i do think there's a lot of artists potentially that don't need to worry so much about that because there's they've got like a big lineup um i know you know some artists i was speaking to earlier today he's got stuff lined up well into like 2023 which is great um but there will be times as well where there won't be stuff for a while um so although you know you mentioned that you could lose a job at any time so it, people have that sort of false idea of well i'm secure i'm at a job but yeah, you could just get like sacked off any minute. Um, <laughs> so I guess really they're not hugely different if you're doing freelance the right way. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think so. Um, I think it, actually this kind of like doing jobs while I was doing jobs kind of goes back into my early freelance when I was working for bands. Um, yeah, I was a security guard as well. So I had, I used to do the evening shift. So my mate would leave at four and then I'd work till nine, but the, nothing would happen. Like I'd just be sitting in a room looking at monitors. So, and I was by myself, there's no boss. So I just used to bring my own laptop in and work then as well. It's nuts. So it is, I guess it is privilege. I've got to think of it that way. Like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's lucky. It's good that we've been able to have that time to do that. But, and yeah unfortunately otherwise you just have to use your weekends your evenings and stuff like that but if it's something that you want and, and I, like i do that as well like don't get me wrong i'm not like oh nine to five that's what i do um like i was working that that as well um just to get the amount of work done and like the, some of these posters you're probably aware take 
hours weeks so it's you know you kind of have to do that but um yeah it's it's kind of it's been lucky i guess that's kind of a yeah the same as yourself kind of with the poster spy stuff it's worked out from doing these podcasts and chatting to other artists as well just over like the last couple of years yeah the one thing that always stands out as sort of the one thing people have to always keep doing is just be persistent. I think that is literally just like the key yeah, to everything. And sure. I think, you know, it sounds so cliche and like everyone's heard it before, but, and I think it's interesting because it's almost like people want to hear something else. I think a lot of the time they want to hear, well, how else can I do this? How else can I do that? It is literally just persistence. There is no other way. If you are consistent and you keep doing work and you, and you keep getting yourself out there and you keep working hard, Really, there's not a lot that's going to stop you, I don't think. I think you're right. I think that's 100% it. I think, and I think that you keep pushing your, yourself forward as well. You keep being your own champion as well. Like, you know, even if it's just to your, if you've got a couple of hundred followers and you're like, check this out, you know, you, you will slowly grow and you will slowly get somewhere. And you might have all these goals. You know, when I started doing it, I had a, a whole bunch of goals, a um, whole bunch of galleries that I wanted to work with as well. Um, like I, I genuinely had like a little checkbox on my wall and like I've, I'm quite lucky that I've ticked a lot of those off now. Um, but yeah, you just you just move on to the next thing. You just get onto the, you know, you slowly move your way up and you slowly grow yourself. That's kind of the way forward. You, c you can't go back unless you, you know, say horrendous racist things or something. <laughs> <laughs> then you probably and can you, go back <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> and then you will find yourself in a very exactly. very deep pit yes <laughs> that you can't yes. get out of <laughs> rightly so <laughs> so you mentioned as well you know you had these you have these galleries you wanted to work with and this checkbox sort of thing is there anything you would really love to do that you've you've not had the opportunity to do yet in terms of maybe a property or even even a style of project um, property wise, I'm pretty, I'm pretty lucky that I've done most of my favorite stuff, whether it's through official or commissions or anything like that. But, um, I think, um, I'd really love to do a steel book. That's, the, that's a lot of most, uh, like a lot of artists kind of to-do list is a steel book. Um, and I'd love to do a Mondo record, like a, you know, record sleeve. Um, I'm quite, again, quite lucky that I've done quite a lot of record sleeves in my past, like coming from a punk rock background where I, you know, for five years I was freelance. So I've done an awful lot of record sleeves, um, vinyls and whatever else. Um, but I'd love to do an official kind of uh, soundtrack, I think. And would you would you want to do a soundtrack more than a Mondo poster? Or are they both equal for you? Do you know what? Mondo could just come to me and offer me either. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, yeah, I'd, I think I'd... Well, I mean, who wouldn't want to do Mondo poster? That's kind of like your guaranteed sellout, fast, boom, done. Like, but... I think, yeah, I'd like the idea. Of, I still have like this love of records. because you're a music and, guy, right? Yeah, exactly. You I know, have a love of records. I have guy. a love of the way things, um, like my dad got me into like um, War of the Worlds LP when I was younger. He got, and, and it's like got all this beautiful artwork in it. And like, it all kind of stems from that, I think. Like, I just, I, I want to have this beautiful piece out because a poster's cool. It's a beautiful piece on its own, but to have all like the sleeve, the inner bits and all that, oh, it's beautiful. I love, I love it. And like to have that, with kind of a cool creative idea and yeah I, I i that's kind of on my high on my list i think so so recently we actually worked together on well not together you created the poster but through poster spy uh for a poster for the amazing maurice which is a totally cool poster i'm, I'm really excited for people to actually see it when it gets released which hopefully will be a few days after this podcast potentially 
How was it actually working on that? Because you didn't get that many assets to go from, which is something I was a little bit worried about for a lot of artists, because I know sometimes a lot of artists need to use reference and it's very difficult to just come up with something out of thin air. But you didn't have many images. So how did you find that whole process? Um, I thought it was really great. I, I really enjoyed it. It was really interesting kind of going through the trailers, going through the promotional shots and stuff like that to find stuff that I could use. Um, I do use references a lot as well. But um, on top of that, kind of like a little bit of artistic license, you know, it's a, it's a big orange cat. So like cat turned around. That's what it looks like from behind. So that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the film coming uh, coming out as well. I'm looking forward to seeing that. But um, it was cool kind of piecing it together from the bits. And um, I think that tends to happen a lot anyway, especially with like new releases um, in the artists just have the trailer or just have, you know, the shots to work from or a bit of um, artistic license. So yeah, it was cool to kind of um, to, to kind of work with that one with you guys. It was cool. Your work does have a very distinct style. You know, you mentioned earlier on, it's mostly like the line art and the, and the, and the block colors sometimes. Yeah. But you've worked across both animation and live action. Is there a certain genre, though, that you prefer most? And if so, why why that particular genre? Uh, oh, animation. Like, if you're drawing a lot of... I think certain things look really good on film um, and trying to get that into my style with the line work and... Um, it often doesn't work that well unless I have to really mess with it uh, until sometimes it doesn't look like what it should do or, you know, nothing has lines in real life. Um, but when you're working with animation, you kind of you've got that reign of, uh, you know, right. Well, so we know that that's not a real car. So, you know, don't have to do all the shading and stuff like that. Um, but it's got line work. So it works. <laughs> I think that works. Is that is that what that I was trying sense. to say? I don't know. Yeah, yeah it kind of works. And are there any animation projects we've got to look forward to next year from you, Mark? I've, I've got I've got a couple of things in the works, um, animation-wise. Um, hopefully, working on a Disney project, which is quite cool. Um, bit of a testing the waters kind of thing. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Um, and some of the bits and bobs. I yeah, I mean, I, not not that I could say I'm definitely doing this because you know what it's like with license and approval and stuff like that. Sometimes it never happens. Sometimes it turns into something else. So, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm in the in the process of working on some animated stuff. So, yeah, and definitely, actually, I can say Wallace and Gromit. That's animated stop motion. Greatest form nice. of animation there is. Would that be something released through Vice Press? <laughs> yes. So I've done. Um, I did the wrong trousers for them this year, um, and I'm going to be creating the set eventually. I'm going working on a close shave next. The rough has been approved, and I'm working on that next. Nice. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing that next year, Mark. Yeah. Well, I think that brings us nicely to the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Mark. And I know you've got to run, so I'm not going to keep you for much longer. No, I really appreciate you having me on, Jack. Um, I've been listening to these every week, so it's nice to hear my own voice in it when this next one comes out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it that in, yeah? Yeah, yeah that's we'll fine. Keep, keep that. that. That's <laughs> the take. Done. That's the take. Good night, everyone. Right, well, <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much, Mark. Cheers, man. Thank you for listening to the Posters by Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. You can even help support this series directly by supporting us on Patreon, where you'll also be given access to extended versions of each and every episode, discounts with our partners, and a whole lot more. Simply head over to patreon.com slash And if you're looking for daily design inspiration, visit posterspy.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Posterspy for all of the latest updates. 